Good morning, brothers and sisters, regular visitors and guests. Welcome to church this morning. Also, welcome to those of you who are watching the service via the live stream. We're thankful and we praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we can be together here to worship Him this morning. And it's our prayer that we would be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel and that God would be glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. The consistory, as elders and deacons, will meet tomorrow evening, the Lord willing, at 8pm. And you are reminded that Classus North will be convened this week, Friday, with the main agenda item being the examination of Brother Dathan Plater. The meeting will be held in this building, commencing at 9am. And since no objections have been received, we welcome Sister Sandra Ramaka as member of our congregation from today. You're also reminded that Ian and Issa Rapley will receive adult baptism and join the church next week, Sunday morning. And final announcement, our pastor, Reverend Poppy, has been called by the Free Reform Church of Albany to serve as their minister. Please pray for our minister and his wife as they seek to find clarity about where the Lord wishes them to serve. This morning the worship service will be led by Reverend Denbor. Before we commence the worship service, let's sing together from hymn 65, verses 1 and 4.
Good morning, brothers and sisters, and it's good to be here to lead you in worship. Please rise as we worship our God. We confess our dependence on the Lord with the words of Psalm 124. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lift up your hearts to God and receive his greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's now sing together from Psalm 84. It's good for us to be gathered as God's people. So let's now sing of our delight to enter into God's house. We'll sing Psalm 84 verse 1, 2 and 3.
God gives us his law to remind us of the redemption that he has given to us. He has called us to be his own. And we read that from Deuteronomy 5 this morning, where God says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So already at the beginning of the law, God reminds us that he calls us to be his people. He has brought us from our slavery to sin and Satan so that we can have a relationship with him, a relationship of grace. And this is the context in which God also calls us to live in response to him. He calls us to give our lives as a sacrifice of thankfulness to him. And so we read God's law together this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 5, where God says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest, as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Or let's now sing together from Psalm 5, in which we acknowledge that God does not take any delight in evil, and yet we can come into his presence through his abundant love and grace. We'll sing Psalm 5, verse 3 and 4.
Let's draw near to God in prayer. Heavenly God, you are our almighty king, and we honor you as the one with all authority and power and the one who is full of majesty. God, you are awesome. You are worthy to receive all honor because you made everything. You made this vast world to be a theater for your praise. And Father, you made us for a relationship with you. You made us to honor you in a special way. We thank you, Father, and we give you honor and praise. And yet as we come into your presence this morning, we acknowledge that we fall so far short in, of your majesty. We do not give you the glory you deserve. And as we think about your commandments, we realize that we have fallen far short of your standards. We acknowledge this morning that we have made idols in our hearts, that we haven't given that we've given greater priority to other things than to you. We've looked for security and happiness in places other than in you, you who are our highest joy. And we acknowledge that we've made images of you in the way that we've thought about you, that we've limited you and put you in a box, that we've made you smaller than you are, you who are limitless. We haven't honored your name, the name which is all-excelling, O Lord, your name which is worthy of all honor and glory. We haven't truly delighted in your gift of the day of rest, and nor have we honored those in authority over us as we ought to have done, our parents, the government. In our thoughts and in our words, we have sinned against those in authority over us. We haven't shown the love to each other that you require, but so often we have hurt each other in the thoughts in that, or in the words. We acknowledge that we've also lusted with our eyes and with our hearts. We haven't always worked hard, but we've been lazy. We haven't used our possessions to love those around us. And Father, we haven't used the truth also to love our neighbors as we ought. We acknowledge that we've also sinned in our desires, not being content, but often in desiring what other people have. In all these ways, Father, we acknowledge our sin before you, we acknowledge that we can only come to you on your love and mercy, because of your love and mercy. You are a God who doesn't take delight in any evil. And so we pray that you will forgive us for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son. Look on us with mercy and give us truly humble hearts, so that we realize we come into your presence only through the intercession and mediation of our great high priest. And we thank you, Father, that despite our sin, you open up the way for us to come into your presence and to worship you. We thank you that we can be brought into your presence through your abundant love and grace. And we ask this morning that you will refresh us through your word as you remind us of your love and of your grace. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, open our hearts to receive your word, build us up and encourage us through your spirit. We pray that you would build us together into your dwelling place. We pray this morning, Father, that you will encourage us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we will see his glory this morning. Change us from one degree of glory to another through your spirit, as we gaze upon the beauty and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ through your word. May we be transformed by the power of your spirit, so that we do not just receive information about you, but that we grow in our relationship with you. 
And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I'd like to bring you God's word from Psalm chapter 84. Let's read that together. Psalm 84. This morning we'll be looking at the whole psalm and particularly through the lens of verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. So let's read together the whole psalm. And it has this heading, To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs. Yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's now sing together from Psalm 42 about our longing for worship. We'll sing Psalm 42, verse 1, 2, 3, and 5.
As I mentioned, we'll be focusing on Psalm 84 this morning, especially through the lens of verse 5. Let's read that together, and I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles um, open with you this morning as we work through this psalm together. Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Well, dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible describes our lives like a pilgrimage. In verse 5 of our psalm here says that blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. And other translations say, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So what is a pilgrimage? Well, it's a journey to a destination, often a, a faraway destination. In the world of Islam, the Muslims make a, a pilgrimage to Mecca. They make a journey to their holy city. In the Bible times, the people of Israel made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to visit the temple. Lots of Israelites lived far away from Jerusalem, and they would make a journey. Often they would do that once a year to visit the temple in Jerusalem. They would go when there was going to be a festival there, a feast. That was always a highlight on their calendar, so they would make this special journey just to Jerusalem. Well, the Bible teaches us that our whole lives are like this journey, a pilgrimage. Peter writes his letter in the New Testament to exiles who are in the dispersion, or pilgrims of the dispersion. The author of Hebrews talks about Abraham and Sarah, and says that they were strangers and pilgrims while they lived on earth. They were pilgrims. They were on a journey. They were on their way. Where to? To a heavenly country. To a city which God had prepared for them. And that's where we are also headed. We're on the same journey as Abraham and Sarah, as all of those saints throughout the Old and the New Testament. We're headed to the New Jerusalem, to the heavenly city of God. To his lovely house. And that's a perspective that we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded of this perspective if we're excited about life, because there are a lot of exciting things in this world and a lot of things that we do have to look forward to. Many good things which are a blessing from God. But none of them, none of the things in this life, are as lovely and as awesome as the heavenly city to which we're going. The best music of this life is, is merely an echo of the, the symphony which we will one day hear in the New Jerusalem. The best relationships of this life are, are merely a taste of the love of God in which we will fully bask when we are fully in his presence. And so we can't afford to be distracted. But we also need this perspective if we look ahead to the future and we're disillusioned or daunted. If we go through sorrows in this life, we need this reminder that the best is yet to come, that the sorrows of this world will soon be forgotten. They will soon be outweighed by the glories of the new Jerusalem. And so I bring you God's word this morning with this theme that we are on our way to God's lovely house. And we'll look at three things this morning. First, we'll see that we long to be there. 
that we have a, an earnest desire to be in God's house. Then we'll see that we set our hearts on the path there. And finally, we'll see that we trust God along the way. So first, we long for God's house. Perhaps you've, perhaps you've heard the statement, it's not the destination, but it's the journey that matters. I wonder if you've heard that before. It's not the destination, it's the journey that matters. In other words, it doesn't matter so much where you're headed, but how you get there is the most important thing. All the memories that you form along the way, that's, that's all that matters. I don't think our psalmist would agree. The destination for the journey is at the foremost of his mind. He opens the psalm with this exclamation, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. The dwelling place of God, it, it refers to, to his tabernacle or his temple in the Old Testament. The place where God symbolically lived with his people, where he was present with his people. And that's why, of course, Jerusalem was such a special city. Psalm 46 speaks about the city of God as the holy place of God's dwelling. And the psalmist says this about Jerusalem, God is in the midst of her. How lovely, says our psalmist. As he thinks about his destination, Jerusalem, the temple, that's what he longs for. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Now this is an intense longing. This same word is, is used for the longing of a lion as he hunts his prey. You think about a lion longing to, to tear his prey. A hungry lion perhaps chasing after an antelope, hunting it down, longing to, to eat his prey. That's an intense longing. And that's the sort of longing that the psalmist expresses to be in God's house, to be in the presence of God. Because as he writes this psalm, the psalmist is far away from Jerusalem. He is away from the temple. The title at the top of the psalm says it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now perhaps that means he was one of those specially trained musicians who would fill the temple courts with symphony. He would lead God's people in praise. And for some reason this musician was away from the temple Perhaps he was on a journey or he was in some sort of exile. He was away from the temple. And as he thinks about the temple, as he meditates on being in God's house, he has a great longing to be there. As he writes this psalm, this is not just a personal longing, but he is also writing this psalm to teach his fellow Israelites. He's writing this psalm to teach the people of Israel where they also can find true delight. He's writing this psalm for the average Israelite who farmed goats and grew olive trees, for the average Israelite mom or dad or child. And the psalm was to teach them to truly value worship, to truly value their pilgrimage to the temple, and also to cultivate this longing in themselves as they would sing this psalm. This psalm would, would help all of the Israelites to, to make the pilgrimage to the temple a highlight on their calendar year. And so the psalmist says, how lovely. And the temple was a lovely place. You can read about how it was built in 1 Kings chapter 7. 
It, was, it took seven years to, to build the temple. And it was full of gold and beautiful curtains and ornaments. It was the sort of place you would, you would walk into and immediately you would have the feeling of walking into a holy place. You might think of how they used to build churches in, in the medieval times. You know, those impressive um, buildings, the impressive architecture, the really tall buildings. The high roof was designed with, with the idea that church was to be a meeting place with God. It was designed to show God's transcendence, His majesty. And when you walked into one of those churches, you would immediately be overcome by a feeling of your own smallness. Well, that's a little bit what the temple was like. It was an impressive building. And that's the place that the psalmist longs for, the temple where God lived. In verse 3, it shows the tender hospitality of God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself. These are common birds. The temple roof offered them a home, offered them a place to make their nest. This adds to the lovely picture of God's house, that it was a place hospitable even to common birds. As one commentator said, this picture brings out the tender hospitality of God, that he allows even the birds to live in his house. And if birds can build nests there in safety, how much more blessed are those people who live there. Verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Now this word blessed can also be translated as happy or joyful. Happy are the ones who are living in God's house, praising Him continually. Now this word blessed is used three times throughout the psalm. It's used here in verse 4. Also in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. And then finally in verse 12, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And here in verse 5, he says that one is happy or blessed who lives in God's house. And so verse 4 sums up everything he's been saying so far. This lovely house that he longs for, the, the place where birds find free accommodation. How happy are the people who get to live there? And so we see that the psalmist has a longing to be in the courts of the Lord. Well, brothers and sisters, do you long for the courts of the Lord? Do you have this same intense desire of the psalmist? What does it mean for us today? Well, for us today, it will look a little different than the Israelites. And to understand how this longing applies to us, we need to see that the psalmist is longing for more than just the temple more than just the physical building, he was longing to be there so that he could worship God, so that he could be in God's presence. It was God himself that he longs for. As he says in verse 2, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. That's why he longed to be in the temple, because that's where he met God. Augustine was an early church father, and he famously wrote, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. The psalmist understood that, and that's why he longed for God himself. He longed to be in the presence of God. He longed to worship God. 
Now the Psalms in other places also express a desire for God himself. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. Psalm 16, verse 11, in your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Or Psalm 42 that we sang for, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so longs my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So this is why the psalmist of Psalm 84 longs for God's house, because he knows he will meet God there the God of life. Well, today we gather together for worship as the church of the living God. As the church of Jesus Christ, we gather to meet our God. And we do that every Sunday. Today, the courts of the Lord are found here in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we... We here are the dwelling place of God. As the church, we confess that God lives among us. Now, Christ is the cornerstone of this house, and in him, the whole building, the whole church grows together to be a temple. God's presence is no longer in the temple in Jerusalem, but in us, in his church, as he dwells among us here in his spirit. Perhaps you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Maybe keep your finger in Psalm 84. We'll be coming back to that. Ephesians chapter 2, at the end of the chapter. Here Paul Paul shows us that we, as the church of God, become the temple. Ephesians 2 verse 19. We'll read verse 19 to 22. Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. By the Spirit. Now, isn't that amazing? You see, we are the temple. If you look around you this morning and and see your brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Spirit is making us into His house, making us into His temple. So, do you long for the courts of the Lord? In other words, do you long to be gathered together with your brothers and sisters? Do you long to be together in worship and together as the temple to meet with the living God? It's an awesome privilege that we have to be able to come into God's presence. And why? Because we're able to do this through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a fundamental principle of worship, that we worship in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our mediator. Through his death, he has opened up for us the way for us to meet with the God of life. Now, the writer of Hebrews spends a few chapters talking about how we can come into God's presence through the blood of his son, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his once for all sacrifice. We can now draw near to God 
because Jesus is our mediator. And then he says this, let's not forsake to meet together as some are doing, but let's encourage each other. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We have an awesome privilege to gather together as God's temple, as his house. It's an awesome privilege to come into the presence of the living God and to worship him. So let's not neglect that. Let's not waste that privilege. And let's also encourage each other to come together in worship. Let's encourage each other to long for worship, to long for the presence of the Lord. And every Sunday, as we gather together as God's temple, we have a a foretaste of the end of days when our worship of God will be perfect in the new Jerusalem. We have a foretaste here of the new Jerusalem when there is no temple because we will be with God face to face in his presence. We have a foretaste of that day when the dwelling place of God will be with man. And that is our ultimate destination. That is ultimately where our longing will be fulfilled. And so we'll see in the second part of our message that we set our hearts on the road there. As verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, or in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. And so now the psalmist turns his attention directly to the pilgrimage. He has expressed his longing to be in the temple, and and now he thinks about the road that leads there. He teaches his fellow Israelites not to be distracted as they're going on this road, but but that they would set their hope fully on the glory which awaits them at the temple in Zion. Now this road that went to Jerusalem, it wasn't an easy road. Verse 6 speaks about the valley of Baca, as they go through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca is similar to the Hebrew word for weeping, valley of weeping. It could also be, the word Baca could also be a reference to a plant which grew in a particular valley along the road to Jerusalem. Now, we don't know much about this valley, but we can conclude that this valley was a dry place, a place which was full of arid land that didn't get much rain. Because the rest of verse 6 talks about the early rain covering it with pools and making it a place of springs. So we didn't get much natural rain. In this valley, water was scarce. It was hard yakka going through it. It was known as a valley of hardship. But the pilgrim who received strength from the Lord would transform that valley. The pilgrim would not only get through the dry valley, he would even transform it into a place of great blessing. It would be a source of refreshment for him. The pilgrim could rejoice through trials. Perhaps if you look over difficult things in your own life, you can understand why the psalmist would talk about a valley of Baca a valley of tears, a a valley where everything seems dry and thirsty, where there doesn't seem to be any refreshment. 
Valleys are a normal part of our pilgrimage on the way to the new Jerusalem. Perhaps you're going through the Valley of Baca right now. And yet, as you reflect on such valleys, perhaps you can also see how these difficult times were laced with blessing, where you experienced the love of God through his people, where the saints rallied around you and showed you the true meaning of the communion of saints. Or you might look back and see that your faith was purified when you went through fire, that you came out of that valley with a stronger faith, with a stronger commitment to serving the Lord, that your faith was purified like gold. Or you may have understood through experience that God is trustworthy when you simply had to trust him with all of your being and you found that God was worthy of that trust. Of course he is. Or you may have seen how God has used hardship to wean you off the delights of this present world and to give you greater delight in him. That he used trials to make you look forward with great longing for the restoration of all things in the new creation. Dear people of God, we can look back at those valleys and we can see that for us, whose strength is in the Lord, those valleys become a blessing. It's not an easy road that we're on, but as we receive strength from the Lord, even hardships along the road can be transformed into blessing. We can rejoice in trials. And further, this road, we've seen that it has difficult periods. We see in verse 7 that this is a road of progress. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. From strength to strength. The pilgrim is strengthened for every new step. As Isaiah writes in that great chapter in Isaiah 40, verse 31, he says, Those who wait on the Lord, in other words, those who receive the strength from the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, step by step. With God's help and strength, the pilgrim continues to make progress toward Jerusalem. And with his strength, we also continue to make progress toward the new Jerusalem. And we receive strength on this journey through God's word and through his spirit. God has given us these blessed gifts as springs for our desert path, as pools of refreshing water to sustain us until at last we stand in Zion. And that's another reason that God has banded us together as a church family for this journey. It's another reason we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because we exhort each other along the road, we help each other, we refresh each other. As we come together every Sunday, we come to church to be refreshed through the spring of God's word. We gather to be refreshed as God's life-giving spirit works here among us, his dwelling place. And we also come here to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to be changed to make progress in our faith, to go from strength to strength, 
Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. From glory to glory. From strength to strength. So that's why we come together to be refreshed for our journey, to make progress along this road until each one appears before God in Zion. And so, brothers and sisters, you see the vital role that church plays along our path to the new Jerusalem. How blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, and how blessed are those who find a pilgrim's refreshment in the gathering of God's people. So we're on our way to the new Jerusalem. We've seen that we long to be in God's presence. We set our hearts on the pilgrimage there, on the roads there, and finally we'll also see in the last part of this psalm that we trust God along the way. Because as God does refresh us and as we do rely on his strength that he continually supplies, we can trust him. Verse 12 at the end says, blessed are the one who trusts in you. And verse 10 and 11 shows to us two things of what it means to practically trust God along the way. There are two things I'd like to draw out. And the first is that we can trust God's word about where to find true happiness, where to find true joy. Verse 10, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Now you can imagine for a pilgrim who is on his way to the temple, especially as he goes through the valley of Baca, it would have been tempting to question if the journey was worth it. Was it really worth going through that valley? The difficult terrain going up the, the mountains to Jerusalem or the poor sleeping conditions along the way, was it really worth all the effort? Was it worth the hardship? In times like that, the tents of the nations around may have seemed very attractive. But this son of Korah, he understands where true joy is and he teaches also his fellow Israelites that the end will be worth the trouble it's taken to get there. The destination is worth the dangerous journey. A day in your courts, he says, is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper, that is one who is just on the edge of God's house, than to dwell, that is to be completely inside the tents of wickedness. There's no comparison. True joy is found in worshipping God and nowhere else. And so the psalmist resolves to be holy, not to even dabble in a sinful lifestyle. The tents of wickedness, I don't want to have any part in that, he says. And so you see that he trusts God's word, that true happiness, true joy is found in relationship with him and not in anywhere else. Well, that's true for us today as well. That sinful ways attract us. They beckon us to find happiness away from God, away from his people. I'm sure you know that. Perhaps you feel the pull of this world. 
Perhaps you feel attracted to the tents of wickedness, worldly company, ungodly atmospheres. But like the psalmist, we can trust God's word and we can say confidently with this psalmist that one day with God is better than a thousand away from him. We can trust God and say with the psalmist that we would rather have the smallest part in God's presence in God's church than to live fully in the world. We can trust God and say that we count everything else as loss compared to the unsurpassing worth of knowing Christ. We can trust God's word about where to find happiness. It's true, you won't find happiness if you follow the path of sin. Now the church father Augustine is a a great example of that. Early on in his life he pursued sexual pleasures. He lived a, a licentious lifestyle. But when God saved him, when God gave him true freedom, that's when he wrote that quote that I mentioned earlier. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In other words, all those years he spent pursuing other pleasures, that was restlessness. He never found true joy there until, he said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in you. So we can trust God's word that we will find true joy in relationship with him. And second, we can trust God because he is good. Verse 11 says that God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. He is good just like the sun. As the sun warms us and brings life, it brings light. So God also brings life and light to us. And also as a shield brings protection, so God will also protect us along this journey. We've seen God's goodness so much in our Lord Jesus Christ that he has given us grace and favor in Jesus Christ. John 1.16 Of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace. This is the most wonderful benevolence of our good father. He didn't withhold his own son but gave him up for us. And as Paul says in Romans 8, if God has given us his son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so because we know that God is good, we can continue to trust him on our pilgrimage. We can trust that he will protect us as a shield. And we can trust that he will avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. And finally, we can trust that he will bring us safely to the new Jerusalem. We don't, and so we don't need to fear what may lie ahead of us on this path. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus says, don't worry, I've got a home for you, and I'm going to bring you there to be with me. So brothers and sisters, as you continue to walk forward in your pilgrimage, will you walk forward in faith, trusting in our good God that he is bringing you closer to his heavenly courts? And then one day we will fully be in God's presence 
that deep longing and deep yearning will be completely satisfied. We will enter into the joy of our Lord. We'll hear that great chorus of angels and creatures and that great choir of redeemed people crying out, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive glory and power and honor. Are you excited for these heavenly courts? Well, we're pilgrims on our way there. We're going to spend eternity with God in the new Jerusalem. That's our destination. The journey matters, absolutely. But the destination is what we are all headed towards. So let's set our hope fully upon the grace that will be ours at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's lift up our heads and eagerly wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will refresh us until we arrive there. And in the meantime, let's not forsake gathering together. Let's continue to encourage each other. And let's continue to declare with the psalmist, How lovely are your courts, O Lord of hosts. We're on our way to God's lovely house. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's now sing together from Psalm 84, verse 4, 5, and 6.
Let's draw near to God in prayer. <clears throat> Almighty God, our faithful Father, we thank you for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through him you forgive our sin and restore us to you so that we can live with you. We praise you for the joy of knowing you. O oh, Father, to know you is eternal life and to know Jesus Christ, your Son. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And we thank you for the awesome privilege we have of worship, to come into your presence and to declare that you are worth everything. We love you. Our God, we adore you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have worked your spirit in our lives and that you do work your spirit so that we have faith in you and that you give to us the great hope of eternal life. We pray that our desire and our longing for worship will increase, that it will grow, that we will want nothing other than to dwell in your house, even to just be a humble doorkeeper. And so help us, Father, to flee the tents of wickedness, Help us to put our old nature with its desires to death. Help us by your spirit to fight our sinful flesh. And Father, as we tread the paths that you have set before us, help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in your goodness. Father, some of us go through valleys now, dry and scorched land. We might be thirsty and we pray, Father, for those who have particular burdens, that you will refresh them through the spring of your word. We pray that you will also use hardship in our lives to purify our faith and help us, Father, to look forward in faith as we go from strength to strength, that we will look forward to the glory which far outweighs this present suffering. Help us also through the communion of your people. We thank you that you are building us into a temple, that you are making us holy through your spirit. And we pray for your spirit to work powerfully among us here as your church. May there be no, no disunity among us. But may we be united more and more through the same spirit living in each of us. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to be open and honest with each other. So that we can be an encouragement to each other as we walk as pilgrims. So that we can truly help each other along the road to your heavenly city. This morning, we also pray for our leaders, that through their guidance, we will also grow together into maturity in Christ. We pray, Father, for the work of the elders as they serve us through your word. We pray that you would give to them a, a humble mindset, that they will model for us the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they will show to us what it means to live as your people. We also pray for the deacons as they show to us the mercy and kindness of Christ. We pray that through their work, there will be no one living uncomforted under any burdens of sickness or loneliness or poverty. And Father, we also pray for our minister and his family, for Reverend Poppy. We pray, we thank you for him and for his service among us, for many faithful years of service. And Father, we pray that you would continue to strengthen him for his task and give him joy in your work, word that his life can continue to be one that we look to and imitate as he imitates Christ. And we pray for him especially now that, and his family now that they have received the call to serve in the Free Reformed Church of Albany. And Father, we pray that you would give him wisdom and guidance as he considers these calls, and that you will also give to him faith and trust in you 
that he can commit all things, that you would give to him peace as the future becomes uncertain. We also pray for his family during this time as it brings uncertainty for them. And we pray that you would continue to preserve them as well. We also pray this morning for our brother Dathan Plater as he presents himself to classes later this week. Father, we thank you for him and Katrina and for the blessing that they have been to us as a church family here in Southern River over the last year. We thank you also for the work that you've done in them, for the way that you've been shaping and preparing Dathan for gospel ministry. And we pray that you will strengthen him this week, that he will present himself to you as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, but one who rightly handles your word of truth. And so we pray, Father, that the exam will go well, that you will open the doors for Dathan and Katrina to serve you in your churches. We also pray, Father, for the funeral of Sister Slobe tomorrow morning. We pray for her daughter Sandra and Wayne Dingle. And we also pray for Martin Visser and Christy and their children. And Father, we pray for all of the family. You know it's difficult to lay the bodies of loved ones to rest. And so we pray that you would give them faith in you, that they would not grieve as those who have no hope, but that they would grieve as those who do have hope, hoping the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that this would be a great encouragement to them as well, that you will also strengthen them. Father, we thank you that we could gather together in worship today, and we pray that you would bless each of us in this day, that you would bless our fellowship, our conversations, that you will also refresh us through the time that we spend with each other. We pray that you will receive our offering of worship, including our songs and our prayers. And that through this time of, our time of worship, our hearts will be greatly encouraged to long for the fullness of joy when we will worship you in the new Jerusalem. Would you hear us in Jesus' name? Amen. You now have an opportunity to give your thank offerings for the work of the Australian Reformed Theological Seminary. And after that, we'll stand and sing hymn 71, verse 1 and 2, about the hope of faith which will not deceive us.
receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.